Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked and the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. It has been such a week, and I am so happy to be sitting down and recording this housekeeping for you guys. I don't know how the weeks just like keep zooming by. It's it's really just, it's wild, you know, it's just wild. Um, this episode was really great, but I wanted to give you a heads up. There was like, I really tested my editing skills because there was like a weird audio, like when it recorded back, the two tracks were so different. And so I did my very best to equalize them separately. So it took me a really long time. It's probably one of the hardest um, audio editing, but it was actually really cool and challenging. And I think I did a pretty good job. No, you know, like no fault of anybody's. It just, it was weird when it recorded. But yeah, I had to really like pull out the big guns and like be super editor for the week. <laughs> like learn something new. It was really cool. Uh, so a couple trigger warnings on this episode. We do talk about the pole fitness club S factor and sort of the rise and fall of that. And so in that, we talk about a lot of different topics that are kind of heavy and might be hard for people. And again, if you get that little bit of feeling where you're like, this makes me uncomfortable, skip it, come back to it later. I think it's an important topic, but not everybody's ready to process it at the same time. So in this episode, we do talk about sex work and we talk about racism and sexual assault and different things like that. And so again, very heavy, but I just wanted to let you know, again, if those topics are difficult for you to please use discretion. I also wanted to let you know that the MLM conference is coming up again. I'm very excited. I was asked to speak last year and I was asked to speak again this year, which is such an honor. Um, these people I I've, have worked with for a few years are colleagues of mine. And I, I just I feel very humbled that they find my voice to be important enough to include. Um, and so I wanted to invite you guys to come and watch. It is going to be on March 13th at nine o'clock in the morning Eastern. It is a one day event. It is all virtual over Zoom. It is completely free. You just have to go to mlmconf2023.org to register. Okay. Super, super easy, super free. And we would love to see you there. It is a really interesting conference about consumer protection and multi-level marketing and sort of how it impacts the industry as a whole. We have lawyers and industry leaders and so many different types of academics and content creators. It's just a really great conference. And if you've missed them in the past, you can actually go and check those out. Those are also online. Um, and the past conferences are available to watch and check out. It's just a, a lot of you reach out to me and say that's how you found me. And so I just want to let you know that the third year is coming right along next month. And I wanted to invite you to register. Um, and then speaking of the MLM con coming and me wanting you to register. So because I'm on a panel, I am actually gathering information right now for our presentation. And so what I need from you guys is your participation. I'm going to do a bigger ask soon, so stay tuned. But right now, if you want to help with gathering information, we have a survey that you can go and fill out. It's super quick. It's not going to take too long. It would really, really help me 
I really, really need the help and I would really appreciate it. I love you guys. Love bombing, love bombing, love bombing. Uh, you can head to mlmchange.org slash survey to take the survey and help us out. Just gather information about MLM's past, present, and future so that we can create a really great presentation for you at the conference with really cool peer-gathered data, you know? Other than that, I wanted to um, welcome our newest Patreon members, Maggie May, Annette Brandt, and Jen. Welcome. It's so great to have you. And also, I totally forgot to mention this in last week's show notes, but we just had our second year anniversary. We are now in the third year of Life After MLM on Valentine's Day, February 14th of this year. We hit our uh, two-year anniversary, and I totally forgot to mention it, but I did mention it on social media. I remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just, it's I, I, I didn't, you know what I mean? I'm totally speechless. I didn't think, one, that anybody would ever listen, and two, that I could ever focus on something for two solid, consistent years and actually make something really cool. And it's so much in part to you guys. I could not do any of this if it wasn't for you listening, tuning in, sharing, uh, telling your friends, emailing me, asking to come on to share your stories. It is absolutely a group effort and I could not do any of it without you. You are really, really an incredible part of my life. And um, I know that we have this like odd parasocial relationship because I go on you with your jogs and while you make dinner and all these things and like just know that there's a little bit on my side too. I just know that without you guys I wouldn't get to do the thing that I love every day and um, I really appreciate it. So here's to even more amazing years of life after MLM and um, a really cool third year. I'm really excited to see where this year brings us. So thank you guys. Please go register for the con, fill out that survey and help me out, make my life a little bit easier and um, wish the show a happy second birthday on social media if you haven't. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode because it is like, it is like really good. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. I'm really excited about this chat today. We have been emailing for months and months. It is, I just, I'm busy. I'm, I'm busy and there were things, but now it's the beginning of the year and we are talking to all of these incredible people who have these incredible stories. I love focusing on the culty aspect because I think what happens is people see it in one thing and they can recognize it in others. And so I wanted to share this. It touches on cults. It touches on MLMs. It touches on, it touches on everything. So I want to welcome to the show, Jessica Hopper, and we're going to be talking about Colty pole dancing. And I'm like so excited to talk about this. <laughs> no one ever guessed that pole dancing could get quite so culty. <laughs> right. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Roberta. I'm so excited to talk to you. We've literally been emailing you, I think, since July. <laughs> it's January now. <laughs> right. And you're like, um, I'm not pestering you, I promise. And I was like, I definitely want to talk to you. I'm just, I can't, I, there's, I, there's no time right now. Like, there's, there's no, no time. time. And so we're here and we're talking now and it it works, it, it all works out and it all fits in perfectly. So I'm really excited. We're talking about different exploitation this year and I think it just fits in really well. So I'm going to give the, the stage to you. Tell us about this cult, this experience, everything. I, I, I don't, I don't know very much about it. I figured it was best to hear it from you. I appreciate that. So I worked at a company called S-Factor. I was a teacher there for 14 years almost. 
I was only a student for about six months before I started teaching. The first thing I want to talk about is just the name of the company, S-Factor. So it was presented as the letter S stands for the curve of a woman's body, right? When you sort of pop your hip out to one side and you pop your chest out to the other side, how it creates this S curve. Lo and behold, the woman who founded it, her name is Sheila. Now, I just, you know, would take a flying leap and wonder, like, if that bitch's name was Tina, do you think <laughs> that she would have found a way to, like, stand tall and strong and be a straight line like it's so obviously an ego stroke of hers um by the way the founder of the company her name is Sheila Kelly she is out there in the world still even though all the studios have closed on her own social media pages she lists herself as a public figure which extends what you can say about her um but everything I'm going to share today is either my personal experience or my opinion of a public figure so just to get that out of the way the thing with the pole dancing, so I first heard about it. I live in LA. It was sort of a trendy workout in like the mid 2000s. There were a bunch of studios popping up here and there. And a friend of mine told me she was taking class. And my initial reaction was like, oh, that sounds cool for you. Please don't come too close. Don't get any on me. Right. I just <laughs> really, really, I don't think of myself as an uptight person, but my parents are deeply conservative and sometimes it just rears its head. But she kept talking about it. And almost a year later, she was like, I'm going to be a teacher. And I was like, okay, there has to be more to this than I am first imagining. So I was like, you know, they offer like either a super low price or sometimes a free like intro class, come and check it out and see what we do here. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll go check it out. And I went and, you know, it's this big dark space with all these like you know, they have like the electric candles everywhere and all the lamps have red lights with like scarves thrown over them. And there's fluffy pillows everywhere. And the teacher's using this like phone sex voice. And it's kind of a combination like yoga class, but also like just, you know, follow whatever your body wants to do. And I could do some of it. And there were some moves during the warm up where I remember like lying there on my yoga mat. And she wanted us to like press up into a bridge pose where you're on your back and you push your hips up kind of as high as they'll go. And then she wanted us to do this like undulating circle that my body just would not do. Like, I think she wanted me to make circles and I was making like triangles. And so I was like, I'm just going to lie here and wait for her to say the next thing because I clearly cannot do this. But then at the end, they had the teachers and they brought in a couple other people who happened to be present, you know, while this class was going on to do a demo dance of like, okay, well, this is where everybody starts what you did today, but here's where this movement actually goes. And they were swirling and they were flipping and they were, you know, it was, it was just, it was jaw dropping. And I was like, okay, I want to try to do this. And so I signed up to try to take class. Um, it was super expensive. Uh, at the time it was, you paid for two month sessions and each session was $440. That did eventually come down a little. I think the price point eventually got to like just under $200 a month, but I was working as a casting assistant, freelance. Yeah, I had no money. I don't know what made me think I could do it. That was a big incentive when about six months in, they said, you know, we're looking for candidates for teacher training. And I was like, oh, well, if I could not only have to not pay for class, but get paid for a class, that's appealing. And I didn't think they'd take me because I'd only been doing it six months, but they did. And uh, off I went. <laughs> Wow. Like yeah. six months in, yeah. you shift. Yeah. 
I, I hated my job as a casting assistant. So that was also probably on the scale there somewhere, you know, like, yeah. Right. You're vulnerable. You're like, oh, this job and this freelance and I never know I'm going to have money or not. A little, an extra side hustle, right? A little bit of side income. A little side hustle. And, you know, I'm also an actress. I can go on my auditions. You know, I can teach at night and on the weekends. So I'm free. Yeah. Flexibility. Yeah, it, that's great. It had all this stuff going for it. You need some money, you teach a class, bada bing, bada boom, easy peasy. You can go on your auditions. You can do your other stuff. You've got this very leisurely life. It works out. It hits a lot of the the bells that you're trying. It checks a lot of the boxes. It checked a lot of boxes. Um, A few of the boxes turned out to be different on papers than they were in practice. (laughs) You know, like the training cost $4,000 when I went through it. Wow. You're like going to be spending $200 a month. And they're like, you're right. You're going to be spending 4,000 to learn all of this. But I did get a tank top that said teacher. So I used to refer to it as my $4,000 tank top. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's like those eating challenges or like those fitness challenges. You have to go through the whole entire thing. And And at the end of it, they're like, yeah, they're like, here's the shirt. And you're like, here's your little piece of paper that says, you know, good job. (laughs) Here's your gold star. I did a, yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. So what was it like in the beginning? Was it very empowering? Like, how did you feel being this, this teacher? And here's the other thing. Like, I remember I lived in LA at that time and I remember how powerful and popular that pole dancing was. I worked in a salon. I had a couple friends that were doing pole fitness. They were like, Oh my God, it's so amazing. Then we actually had like a pole dancing school come to our salon because we did like a re-grand opening and they did like this half hour incredible and again my parents were very conservative so I had the same sort of like really feelings but then I watched it and I was like this is amazing it was like a mini Cirque du Soleil like in our salon with the front row seats I was like this is incredible this is really cool it was a very very popular thing at the time I absolutely remember that and being in LA and it was very normal yeah not that it isn't normal, but it was just a very normal thing that when someone's like, oh, I'm taking a pole dancing class, you're like, oh, cool. Where at? It was yeah, it was very- it was moving into the mainstream as opposed to it being in Absolutely. its niche of like the, the strip club. Absolutely. Mainstream is a better term. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, it was, you know, this really I felt at the time now, granted, I am a, you know, cishet white girl. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it was it was all women at the studio the studio only taught women and there were only women working there i think we had one it guy upstairs <laughs> very lonely very nice guy but it was this very sort of you know there was a great camaraderie the the classes were once a week but they were 2 hours long and you're sitting there and you know you're going through all this stuff where you're working on these skills that you never thought you'd develop. And so, you know, it where it really was this sort of like, it felt like this very empowering bonding experience for women. And, you know, living in LA, like you get in your car, you drive to the box you work in, and then you get in your car and you drive back to the box you live in. And it's really hard to meet people. And so like suddenly being surrounded by all these women and making all these friendships, I, I thought that was fantastic. And I still do think that's one of the positive aspects of the whole experience, even being on the other side of it is like, there are still women that I met through the studio that I'm still very good friends with, you know? So in that sense, it was really positive. Um, There was always this cult of personality around Sheila, around the owner, where she sort of had this 
this mystique about her. And, you know, when I first started there, she was teaching a regular weekly class. And so like the people who were in Sheila's class were kind of like, oh, well, I don't take class with so-and-so. I take class with Sheila. You know, are you brave enough to drop? If you're going to, if you missed your class this week and you're going to drop into another class, are you brave enough to take class with Sheila? It was this very sort of, she's an actress from Gossip Girl. Like, you know, and not even like a recurring character. <laughs> like she's just a lady. The the studio got its start. The the legend is, and I say legend because I don't know how to confirm some of these details, but this is what I was told over and over again, is that Sheila Kelly is an actress. She got cast in a part where she was going to play a stripper. There was no other way to learn how to do the pole moves at the time because pole fitness as a thing just didn't exist yet. So she went to a club somewhere in Hollywood watched somebody dance, convinced that person to teach her how to do the moves. And then all her friends found out she was doing it and thought it was cool and then wanted her to teach them. That is like the the ultra reader's digest com- compacted version of it. It's um, like the legend of Sharon Gans from the New York cult. Right. The legend of Deanne of LuLaRoe. It's like the two mm. stories in a new story but it's i I don't think there's anything new in cult grifter world they're all just they're all just cribbing from each other's notes it's the same grifter origin story yeah absolutely that was the idea of how the 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 studio came to be and then what made s factor blow up is that you know so she was in kind of these you know la actor hollywood circles and one of her friends uh was terry hatcher that she taught like in her you know converted garage at at Sheila's house and Terry was famous but she hadn't been on anything major in a while and then about six months after all this started Terry got on Desperate Housewives went on Oprah said she did S-Factor and then Sheila went on went on Oprah like that was wow the explosion yeah and that was in I think 2001 I joined in 2006 so talk about right place at the right time right yeah yeah now, the interesting thing about that origin story is, of course, it completely erases and whitewashes the fact that Sheila learned this movement from a sex worker, that she started charging, like I said, really exorbitant prices for it. The motto at the time was like, you know, sexy workouts for every woman. And I was like, yeah, every woman who's got $440 to throw at it every 60 days. Right. <laughs> so- and you sent me this great article and there was yeah. a quote that I'm, I'm just going to read it because it's, it literally highlights exactly what we're talking about right now. But it says, I don't know who needs to hear this, but co-opting the techniques that marginalized sex workers developed to make a living in order to make rich white women feel good about themselves is not exactly the revolution, especially if said women are being traumatized as a result. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. And that is ultimately where everything ended up. And that is what led to all the studios closing. <laughs> like, if you want to just like have like a, a, a flip to the last page and read the last page, that is ultimately what what brought the company down. But as we talk about kind of what led us there, for me, so like I said, there was always this weirdness around Sheila, and in my opinion, Sheila thinking she is much more famous than she actually is. You know, she's married to someone who is much more well-known than than she currently. She's married to another actor who's currently on that series, uh, The Good Doctor, but he's best known as Toby from The West Wing. Okay. But so, and I think because she runs in those circles, she thinks that she is at that level, but it leads her to things like, you know, 
doing weekend retreats that were called SK Live. And I'm like, bitch, no one knows who that is. <laughs> it's really interesting because we see that sort of like false idol worship in MLMs a lot with like the top hun that's like, we're going to go on a retreat and you're going to get to spend the weekend with me. This actually happened to Mary and Lula Rowe. She like had oh. this retreat and she was charging like exorbitant amounts of money to go on this retreat and like nobody went. So she ended up like taking a bunch of friends or something. I mean, Mary's a little, you know, she's like on a show. It's a little yeah. different, but again, I feel like it's the same. Like you think you're bigger, more famous, more popular, more well-known than you are. That's what started making things weird was as near as I can tell, I believe it was in 2009, uh, Sheila started putting on retreats. And the reason was that somehow, and I don't know how, but somehow she got connected to Tony Robbins. Oh. Um, yes. For someone who claims to be a, a feminist uh, thought leader, the uh, noted feminist thinking icon and totally not credibly accused of multiple sexual crimes, uh, Tony Robbins. Oh, um, but so in, in 2009, again, this is, you know, best I can remember, but I believe she took one teacher and went to a Tony Robbins event, I think in Scotland. She started being a regular at his events when he does like these couples things because he was bringing in S-Factor to quote unquote, like be the feminine part of the curriculum. Because of course, all he knows to do with the female is insult it, denigrate it, and possibly grope it, in my opinion, allegedly. He's this big swinging cartoon masculine thing. And again, I don't know how anybody who claims to be a feminine thought leader can can ally herself with Tony Robbins. But my take on the two of them is they're actually a match made in heaven because she's his human shield against being called a misogynist and she gets to farm him for really rich clients. Yeah, there's a lot of affinity fraud going on. A lot of affinity fraud. Shortly after that, Sheila started putting on retreats. And, you know, it was always this, this inner circle that she had in order to be considered to teach at the retreats. Uh, the retreats, the price point was always around $5,000 to attend. And that's excluding hotel and any travel you need to get to the location. That's just the content. And she used to really encourage staff to go on the retreats as students if you weren't going as staff. And she gave up, she offered us a discount of 10%, which was super enticing. And I looked at her and I remember saying like, Sheila, the last big vacation I went on with my husband last year was about $4,000, but we went to South America for two weeks and 80% of it was hotel and airfare. Like, what are you, ta what are you talking about? It, it just, it just, it's just an, an, an unrealistic, unnatural price point. And I was never considered for one of these retreats to teach at because again, I wasn't part of this inner circle. You know, the, the thing about being in the inner circle is if you displease the leader, you get kicked out of the inner circle. And so eventually she had kicked out so many people for various infractions that she was running out of warm bodies. And so that's why I got asked to go on one in 2016 was how long that took for her to get to me. But I actually used to love, I mean, yeah, it was a bummer not to get to go to Hawaii and eventually like Jamaica or whatever. But I used to love as a teacher that always reliably stayed behind. I loved it when people left to go on retreats because I was like, I'll cover your class. I'm going to make bank this month. I'm going to cover your class for two weeks. I'm going to cover your class for the week you're out of town. I'm going to cover your class the week you get back and you got mono because she worked you for 16 hours a day and told the hotel to skimp on the, the, the meal budget for the, for the backstage area. Oh my God. Yeah. And again, like, what does this have to do with pole dancing? I couldn't tell you. Like, this is where it was completely off the rails and just into her 
quote unquote, emotional development, which she's totally unqualified for. She has no training of any kind. And it's all just this sort of power of, you know, cult of personality and gurudom and all of this stuff. The Hollywood Reporter article goes into it pretty intensely with two, two incidents, um, one of which I knew about. I know both women who were talked about in the article, but the first one that's mentioned in the article I knew about. The second one I actually didn't know about till I read it in the article when it came out. Um, and I was just, I was just horrified, horrified. Yeah. I mean, wh- what would happen at these retreats? Well, so let me, let me just read it, the excerpt from the, uh, just a very, very briefly. And I'm going to use this girl's, just her first initial. Um, a says she had a panic attack at a 2018 retreat after she followed Kelly's guidance. Kelly is Sheila's last name, just to be clear. There, she had been surprised to see a a male acting coach who had once groped her in a session unaffiliated with S-Factor, leading an exercise. A alleges that when she informed Sheila he'd, quote, crossed boundaries with her and she intended to return to her hotel room, Sheila suggested that A instead stay and directed the man to work with her directly. By her account, A, body prone on the floor, head in the acting coach's hands, soon began to shake uncontrollably. Sheila should have stopped me from leaving. She should have honored my no. Kelly recalls the situation differently. A had voiced to me that she didn't feel safe with him. I asked her if she'd like to stay and try to find a place where she could feel empowered in her body. So let someone who has sexually assaulted you hold your head in his hands until you start to have essentially like a mild seizure. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the flow knit high rise boyfriend jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard-approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
They send you regular personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. And, uh, and this, this is, uh, the technique they call shattering. That is what she called shattering. Yes. Shattering is, uh, again, a, a Sheila Kelly term that, that she used at the company that was basically a big emotional release of some kind that would happen in the body, whether you were dancing or going through a breathing exercise, certainly not when you're like actually doing pole stuff, right? This is all these sort of emotionally led movement that would quote unquote, get you connected to your body. She goes to great pains to say that it's a physiological reaction to the body releasing energy that's trapped in the muscles. Because if she says it's an emotional release, then you're getting into, well, aren't you just doing unlicensed trauma therapy? Right. Which is what uh, the staff at around that same time, around 2018, was basically starting to revolt about. We were basically saying, look, you know, this doesn't happen as much in class, but sometimes it does happen in class that people have these big emotional reactions just because sometimes that's just where someone's at in their life, in their day. They come in and they move in a certain way and all of a sudden they're having a big trauma reaction, right? But at retreats, and Sheila denies this, but at retreats, she would put people in situations where they happened a lot and the teachers felt unsafe. And I can recount my own personal experience with that. So I had said this, I think in our, our pre-production meeting for the retreat I went to that was in San Diego in 2016, I said, listen, in terms of handling shatterings, um, just my own personal judging of my competence to handle that. Like if we're talking percentage, I'm in single digits. I'm so uncomfortable with this. I said that to Sheila in the meeting. It pissed her off. She didn't really offer me anything other than like, you know, we'll see what you can pick up off of your team lead and stuff. So the first morning of the retreat, we're in the first big, we called them on the schedule, I think Sheila Talks, right? Where the whole group comes together and she's doing the Tony Robbins thing up on the stage and da 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 the teachers that are at staffing that retreat are holding space, meaning we're like standing around the outer edge of this conference room, you know, just kind of waiting to see if anyone needs us. And my team lead tapped me on the shoulder and pointed to some lady who was clearly starting to like cry. She was having a visible emotional reaction. So I walked over to her and I did what I've been told. I put my hand gently on her shoulder just to let her know I was there. And I said, you know, can you breathe into my hand? Is there anything I can do to help you? And she said, I am a, and she stated her medical specialty, which I'll just leave generic. People keep coming to me because they think I can help them and they just keep dying. And then she dissolved in tears and body shuddering in my arms. And what I had to offer this woman was deep breaths and hip circles. 
Oh my God. I was, I got home from that retreat. That was like four days. I was down in San Diego and I called one of my friends who was in the inner circle and had been on many, many, many of these retreats. And I said, you know, can I, can I just come over to your place? I need to like talk about what happened. I need to process. I'm really overwhelmed with everything that happened this weekend. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. I get it. Come over. So I went over to her house. She made me tea and we're sitting there. I think our kids were playing in the backyard. And I said, based on what I saw this weekend, I cannot believe that there haven't been psychotic breaks at these retreats based on the kind of programming that people are being put into and the kind of situations they're being encouraged to lean into. And my friend's response to me was, there have only been five. (gasps) Five? Oh my God. Only five. And my response was not, oh my God, it happened one time. How do we change what we're doing to make sure this never happens again? And she didn't really have an answer for that. But to, to turn it back and not to make myself seem like to be a saint here, my response to that totality of experience was, I will never teach at a retreat again, not I fucking quit. And that was right. my enmeshment and my thinking I could somehow, I don't know, change it from the inside, not have to look for a job, whatever my justification was at the time. You know, I should have gone running to the Hollywood Reporter that day. Yeah. But wow. that that was the kind of atmosphere, like somehow it was all having these shatterings was like, you know, it was basically, it was more like, you know, reclassifying a breakdown as a breakthrough. But then when you find out that like, there are actual repercussions, I mean, the, the, the story that opens the Hollywood Reporter article is a woman who was a teacher, but who attended a retreat as a student who ended up involuntarily hospitalized when she got home from a retreat. Sheila's response to that was basically, you know, later on, this is something that this person told me, not that I don't think this is featured in the article, you know, Sheila would try to be like, oh, tell them what happened to you in Hawaii. And she's like, you mean the part where I had to go to the hospital? No, not that part, the good part. Like trying to somehow flip it, like the emotional breakthrough had been independently isolated and worthwhile. And that that's the bad part of the trip. Like we don't. Oh yes, we ended up on a fifty-one fifty hold for seventy-two hours. But I mean, come on. No, but the good part. But the good part was for that. Were you on stage and I made you cry and people clapped because I'm a genius? That part. What an egotistical bitch. You know, I might have said that out loud once or twice. My poor husband, who, yeah, you know, I said I was at the company for twelve years. Um, he's like, tell her that I told you to quit every day for twelve of those. So I just want to get that in there. At what point in your 14 years with the company was that break that that you were like, I'm not going to teach at a retreat anymore? Like, how long did you stay after that? That was a, that happened about 10 years in. So four years. Now, that was overlapped by. And again, I don't I, I, ju- I was in a place where I just didn't want to have to be looking for a job. And so I kind of thought I'll just fucking keep my head down and teach my class. And at that point, I had migrated to teaching technical poltrix classes almost exclusively. So I was really separating myself from the more emotional side of things. And part of it was like half the studio refused to take class with me because I in quotes taught too much pole. And I was like, did you look at the business cards? It's holding up the roof. Um, But that was never what was comfortable about it for me. That was never what I liked about it. And also There weren't a whole lot of teachers who were there who were super into the more technical and more sort of like challenging poll tricks. And I was sort of like, oh, this is a niche. This is where I feel safe. 
but you know, overlapping that period. I mean, I was super disillusioned with Sheila very early on and sort of managed to separate it in my brain. Well, like these classes are doing good and I'll just avoid her. Meanwhile, propping up her company and putting money in her pocket by satisfying people that kept paying her. I mean, over the period from about 2016 to when it all fell apart, first my father and then my mom passed away. Shortly before that, I just had my son. All these things kept happening where I was like, I just don't want to, on top of all of this, have to find a new job right now. So I'll just keep my head down and teach. And I will publicly state that was the wrong fucking call. I really wish I'd made a different call because now that I am not nearly so isolated and interact much more with other local pole studios, like someone would have fucking hired me. Yeah, they would have. But the 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 culture at S Factor was also very much like, oh, don't go to other studios; they'll be mean to you. They're very competitive. They're very masculine. Well, yeah, right? you're in a cult, and that's exactly yeah, what so- a cult would say to somebody who wants to go outside the cult to yeah. educate themselves somewhere else. I described it as like she somehow dug this moat around her studio. And like, you know, everyone across the water was scary and dangerous. And I eventually went and took a class at another studio for, you know, it's a whole long story, but I wanted to take something that our, our studio didn't teach, basically. And so I described it as like, I got in my canoe and I paddled across the sea and I was told that the people on the other side would be scary, but they were nice. And then I came back with news that the people were nice. And everyone just looked at me like, yeah, but why would you go talk to them? Aren't we enough? The thing that started making it culty, I believe, was 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 the addition of the retreats, you know, because like everything like there is in sort of like, you know, the pole community out there, there are things that happen that are known as like pole camps. Right. But it's like they gather, you know, first of all, some, you know, someplace cool, like, you know, Thailand or Cape Town or, you know, one, one of my friends went to Fiji. I was like, you bitch. Um, <laughs> But they get like a bunch of really high profile performers who also teach to come to this location for a week or, you know, a long weekend or a short week. And you go because you're taking classes with these teachers you don't normally have access to. That is a normal pole camp. A normal pole camp is not leave your cell phone at home and come to this thing where we're going to keep you busy from seven in the morning till midnight. And, you know, I described this to one of my friends, my husband's friends, who is very into like the whole kind of like internet selling thing. And, you know, he's very knowledgeable about that. And he was like, what's the upsell? Like, usually when you do that to people, you're trying to exhaust them so you can get them to buy something they wouldn't normally be able to afford. And I was like, oh, well, that's probably when she started off. She went from like the $5,000 retreats to like the $12,000 retreats. Yeah, it's the cost of your soul plus whatever the cost of the next really expensive retreat that you haven't done yet. And like, obviously can't reach the top of enlightenment and be the best of the best. If you don't take this class. There were apparently people who had been to every single retreat by the time I got to the one in 2016. And I just remember thinking like, number one, must be nice. (laughs) But number two, I was like, what do you think this woman is going to give you? Like, what are you looking for? And the fact that you've been to 11 of these and you don't feel like you've found it yet, is that not potentially a clue? Right? It could be any cult. It really it could. could. Be. And, that, and that's just like this, this thing that's so important, you know, yeah. like it's the same, whether it, it doesn't, it, it's the same. It's the same. You call it something else. It's the same. And it is wild. Like that's a, a really good point about the red flag of like, 
going to these retreats and these retreats being more about like spirituality and breakthroughs and shatterings. You're like, aren't we taking pole fitness? Isn't this a dance class? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't this about dancing on a pole? Like, isn't this about being really strong and having this incredible core so I can do these really amazing tricks and be like, look what I can do. Yeah. So why are we here in this sauna sweating and, and crying about our trauma? Because if you run out of people that want to learn pole tricks, you have to somehow make it like mission driven. Right. You have to pull in. You have to create this cult of yeah. need. Yeah. You are broken. You are missing. You are whatever. You are. There's something. And only I can fix you. you. Yeah. And I'm the guru. I'm so lucky that I have this knowledge and I'll share it with you for the nominal cost of $10,000. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And I'm going to well, steal everything from marginalized communities, BIPOC communities. Tons of, tons of, you know, intellectual thought that I'm never going to attribute. You know, some, I was describing one of the concepts that this company had, which I don't even need to get into the jargon of it. But another person that I was talking to about this totally from the outside was like, oh, that's a very union concept. And I was like, is it like, you like Carl Jung? And I was like, oh, she never attributed it to that. And this other concept that she had about the male gaze apparently comes from like an uh, uh, an article about film critique from like the 1970s. And I'm like, oh yeah, she never attributed that. Because no. it's all coming from her. She's the font of, of genius. It's totally Sharon Gans, but like with a pole. Like, yes. It's a yeah. washed up actress trying to be the queen of the world again. Yeah. So speaking of the um the, the inner circle thing that I talked about, like everybody that that staffed these retreats. So I was going through stuff, you know, preparing for our chat today, and I actually found, so this started in 2013, so a little later than the retreat started. Um, I think before that, she was just taking people, and she realized she needed to, like, somehow vet the people she was going to take on these intense experiences. But so in 2013, she started, she announced that she was starting what was called going to be called an apprentice program. It was going to be five people. New Year commitment. And I actually found the, the application for this. Oh can, can, can I read you just a, a, a smidge of it? Let's read as many smidges as you would like. So this is from the letter that she sent to everybody in 2013 about the Sheila Kelly apprenticeship Sheila note. Uh, what I have learned about teaching teachers over the past 14 years is that to impart my most valuable gifts, I need to do so through intensive study and osmosis. In selecting apprentices, I am looking for voracious truth seekers, egoless learners, passion, loyalty, commitment, a drive to serve and nurture. In return, I am ready to give you my all. I need your eyes, ears, and mind open to receive. I need your physical presence shadowing me. So that's not creepy. <laughs> did you? Did you? I applied twice. Well, did you say Sheila letters? Yes. Yes. So like, you know, I, I read a lot of, well, I listen to, let's be honest. I listen to a lot of cult audiobooks because, you know, it seems like that's your beat. Yeah. It's kind of like my thing. <laughs> so it's interesting that you say Sheila letters because I, I'm, I've just finished like a QAnon one. They call them Q drops. I finished one about children of God. They call them M letters. They get the Scientology, like the LRH briefs and all these things. And it's just, it's so culty. Like you keep saying things and I'm like, oh my God. You keep telling on yourself. Well, look, they're, they're at the retreat, Sheila talks. 
things that came from her sheila letters like you can't just say like you know from the founder or from the big boss or oh she wouldn't let us call the main office co the corporate office she made us call it the mothership and i was like are you familiar with somali pirates ma'am oh my god she steals everything from everyone else well, I don't think she's had an original thought in her head since, you know, the late 90s. But that's just me being a bitch because she's my ex-boss and she's a public figure. So I can. I, it's just it's so it's it's just so culty. It's just so, so culty. But then I applied, Roberta. I applied twice and was rejected and kept working for her. You know, and it really feels like this apprenticeship is just another thing to keep you on the hook. Just oh, it's exactly what it can deny you. You're not good enough yet. So first of all, it was going to be five people. It, inst it instantly turned into 10 and it was two tiers. There was the top tier was the apprentices and the lower tier was the protégés. And it was two years. It was completely unpaid. It was mandatory meetings in her home on Fridays from 4.30 to 10.30 PM. And I was told they usually went way over that. It was weekly 20 page book reports. But then it was stuff like, she, you could tell she was just like, this is not training of any kind. She was pulling stuff out of her ass. Like she would have people dress up as famous feminists to read their book reports to the group. And I don't know what that was supposed to do. One of my friends who was briefly in the program that quit, it was, she, she's also a musician, really awesome one. And they, out in Palm Springs, in the, every spring they have, um, a festival called Stagecoach. It's like a country western kind of Coachella, right? Not not quite as crazy as Coachella, but just as big. And she was like, I realized I could read a 400-page book about the history of misogyny, write a 20-page report that no one was going to read, and then go to Sheila's house to sit in silence for eight hours, afraid to say what I really felt, or I could quit and go to Stagecoach. So that's what I did. I was thinking, or... But so what would happen was, you know, she got this thing going, people, people would get kicked out for like missing a single meeting, right? People would get kicked out for the most minor of infractions. And, but then, and so then she would replace them then. So like, you know, Ooh, are you being called up? Are you the lucky one? But what eventually happened was she cycled through so many people that basically about half the people and people could come, there were a few locations or, you know, different places, LA, San Francisco, New York. Most of the people were from the LA or the Southern California studios, right? She eventually cycled through so many people that about half of the studio either had been or was currently in the program. And then the other half of us were the, the great unwashed, like the untouchables that were left outside shivering in the cold, never to be invited in. And it created such a division amongst the teachers that even people, because she kept them so busy, I stopped seeing people. And the second time we had to apply, she took us in to her office in groups of three, because that's how you love to be interviewed, right? When you're the third one and you're trying to think of something the other two didn't say, women supporting each other. And she basically, like, I came up with some random question to ask about the program. And I remember her saying, like, you know, well, you're not asking me about what they actually do. Like, you're not asking questions about the actual program. And I was like, Sheila, I have no idea what they do. The people that are in your program, I haven't seen in a year. I don't know what they do. I don't know what to ask you about it. I just know that you're the boss and this is your inner circle and I'm supposed to want to be a part of it. I don't think I said it exactly like that, but I, I challenged her. She was never going to take me. That was my job at company meetings was to be like, look around and be like, oh, no one's going to fucking say it. Fine, I'll ask the question. Things like, oh, this new program that you're proposing, um, 
to be in your super special inner circle of students costs $45,000 a year. That's one and a half times the down payment on my house. Um, can we talk about that? <laughs> right. That's like a new car or like two or three used cars. Uh, so what was the straw for you? Like, what was the final red flag where you're like, okay, enough is enough. Well, the final red flag that wasn't just for me, it was a large group of us. And I just want to put out there that like, I'm not the only person that has spoken up about the company, but, um, a lot of my former colleagues, I think are just kind of done talking about it. So I don't want to make it seem like this is I'm here to tell my story, but what happened to this company is not exclusively my story. And there are other voices out there and please, please look them up. But the thing that brought the company down was their response on social media to the killing of George Floyd. So as many companies did, when that happened, S-Factor put out a statement saying, you know, we spent, I'm just paraphrasing here from, from memory, but, you know, we stand in solidarity with our sisters who are feeling so much right now in response to the national events. And, you know, we're going to, it was like, we're going to put out a statement soon, but in the meantime, please know that we love you and we stand with you. It was very, very sort of generic language. And one of their former teachers, who happened to be a Black woman who had quit recently, within a year or two, I think, of this, um, saw this post on Facebook and responded to it and basically said, we don't need you to make a public statement standing in solidarity but not change anything. I was fighting for changes from within the company, practices from Sheila on down to the things that, you know, infiltrated how students behaved. And like, why don't you do something to address that Black Lives Matter? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing her here, but she wrote it extremely eloquently, but extremely directly, but didn't make any ad hominem attacks, didn't call anybody names, don't even think she swore, right? And their response to that in their first step, step of solidarity with women of color was to delete the comment and block her. And it went away forever because that's how the internet works. No, wait, just kidding. Um, like, if we really quickly delete this, maybe nobody would see it. Maybe nobody saw it. hundred people screenshotted it, though, too. You know, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> so the woman that had posted that was basically sitting there watching, waiting for them to delete it, which they did within 10 or 15 minutes of her posting it, as I remember her recounting. And so she put it on her Facebook page and was like, let's continue the discussion, y'all. It deteriorated so quickly. I mean, a lot of people chimed in to base, and a lot of them were student, longtime students of color who were saying, you know, thank you for speaking up. I've been uncomfortable about this for ages, da, da, da. And then there were the, the worker bee defenders of Dear Leader who chimed in to say shit like, you were a shit teacher and you were always a shit teacher. You were just jealous because you didn't have backstage passes to Coachella like I did. Uh, I mean, it got 
ugly fest. Oh my, what in the privileged bullshit is that? Oh, 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 oh. oh. <laughs> and so it started blowing up so badly and it went back onto S Factor's pages. They had a couple, they had like the local studios each had their page. And then like, they had like, they called it S Factor Global, I think was their like, again, the corporate, the, the mothership page. It blew up to an extent where they called an all hands on deck meeting. And this had to be via Zoom because we were three months into the pandemic at this time. So things were already pulled way back, but people were like teaching stretch classes from home via Zoom and things, right? They were just doing the best they could, right? As everybody was in those early months of, of, of COVID. So they call this all hands on deck meeting to talk about like what to do. And there were, I think, 33-ish people on, on the call. There was a lot of the teachers from Southern California LA and Orange County, couple teachers from other places around the country, the some of the management people. Sheila was there. Sheila's personal assistant was there. Sheila's accountability coach was there. And we talked for about, as I recall, 15, 20 minutes or so about basically there needs to be an apology. Let's flesh that out. Is it directly to this former teacher who you deleted? Is it to the community at large? Is it going to be written? Is it going to be a video? Like sort of batting around all these different ideas. I just want to point out that this has been corroborated. My rec my recollection here has been corroborated by three other people that were on this call, just to protect you. <laughs> um, after about 15 or 20 minutes or so, Sheila finally spoke up, which she hadn't before then, and was basically like, I, you know, I want to thank everybody for their input and all these great ideas, but I just need to remind you that that post that we deleted was so violent and so across the line. And she immediately started playing the victim. And a couple of us cut her off. And I said, Sheila, if you can't handle that kind of pushback that is that professionally worded, that is making points that everyone agrees needs to be addressed, if you can't handle that level of pushback, I don't know why we're on this phone call. And at that moment, she lost her cool with me to such a degree that six people texted me to see if I was okay, including the moderator of our discussion. Wow. And I have screenshots saved of that if anyone wants to question, uh, you know my ability to back that up with receipts. I learned a lot from my friend who was the one whose Facebook comment got deleted about taking screenshots as receipts. <laughs> Especially with dealing with cults, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I looked up what I have in my, on my computer of like every document that I've saved and stuff from my time at the company. And I have more than a gig of documents. I'm like a digital hoarder when it comes to this shit. So I can back my stuff up. But the fallout from that phone call was within a week, 14 of her teachers quit. And I was one of them. Wow. So when she says that her studio had to close because of COVID, I would utterly dispute that statement and say your studio had to close because you had no teachers. Because you couldn't handle people saying there is institutionalized racism here. And you just proved it by silencing this Black woman. And now you're still trying to point yourself as the victim. And you know what, it's COVID anyway, I'll see myself out. And people wrote really eloquent letters of resignation. And some, some people just CC'd everybody. Some people posted theirs publicly. Um, yeah, you know, people saying, I've been trying for years to change this from the inside. This is pointless. Yeah, but that, that I, you know, I, I, again, from having admitted that I should have quit years beforehand, just the what transpired in that meeting was just, I just remember like getting off the zoom call and kind of just sitting there and then eventually like picking up and reattaching my jaw 
kind of leaning over and taking off my headphones and tolerating to my husband. Hey, babe, I think I just quit. And he's like, finally. And, you know, and then we got on with our lives. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just such a roller coaster of being like, let's look supportive. And then someone's like, excuse me, actually, look in the mirror first. Well, no one's allowed to criticize dear leader. You know, right. Another sign. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously a cult, you know, in yeah. the articles that I read, yeah. always, they all mentioned cult. And the only things, cause I Googled like her name and cult in the, in the articles that came up that didn't include cult, you know, how it says like does not include her website and all of the stuff she controls, but everything else had cult. Of course. Yeah. So that's yeah. another big red flag there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there, there was a, there was a campaign by many of us um, who, who quit when the Hollywood reporter came out to basically just Google it as many times a day as we could. Cause we knew she hired SEO people to try and drive it down in the Google mentions. Like you could see it dropping and it was kind of like, I'll just put on, you know, I'll just put on my, my favorite podcast and I'll just sit here, keep opening your windows and Googling THRS factor, THRS factor. <laughs> and also, isn't there an, there's a Netflix documentary called strip down, rise up, but is there- that just a fluff piece. So I, I call it an infomercial rather than a documentary. The weird thing about that movie, so I knew it was being filmed because they filmed it obviously at S Factor. And it just so happened that the days and time, the day, the Sunday afternoons that they were filming, I also taught at that same time. I was just in the other studio space across the lobby. So I knew it was going on. And while it was filmed, while the filming was going on, which was in 2018, I think the movie came out in 2021. While the filming was going on, I we at the studio only thought it was a movie about S Factor. When the movie started to be about to come out on social media, especially Instagram is where I'm most active, um, the poll community started to be really excited. And I, apparently the filmmakers had been following several other people in, in the poll world. So there's this one woman who owns um, a couple of studios in the Bay Area. I think since then she's opened one in Portland, who's really heavily featured in the film. Um, they talked to this one of the sort of OG, really high profile pole performers, who is this woman who performs like Cirque du Soleil style stuff in Las Vegas named Janine Butterfly. And so everybody in the pole world was like, oh my God, there's a movie coming out about what we do. Like, we're so excited. And then people watched the movie and about seven, the movie's really weirdly balanced, but about 70% of it is S-Factor and just like slavishly giving accolades to Sheila. And like the next day, 90% of the poll world went, that's not what we do. And it was just so, so she taught, they started out as three classes that were running, you know, back to back to back on Sundays. Um, Cause you, based on the size of the studio, there were only about 20 people in the room at a, you know, 20 people per, per, per class. I think eventually by the end, cause there was definitely attrition, although they don't point that out. Um, it had consolidated down to it, maybe one class, maybe it was like one and a half, but following these people basically through the six months of the first six months of their pole journey from having seen the movie and seen retreats and taught regular classes for as long as I did, I can tell you that the, the movie looks nothing like regular class. The movie looks like people being pushed through a retreat level intensity of an experience for six months. And it's all about people's trauma. You know, there are some very, they, they highlight some people's experiences in the film because obviously you can't focus on everybody. There's this really lovely woman who's recently widowed that they talk about, you know, her. Um, there is a young woman who was a survivor of Larry Nasser, who, in my opinion, they had no business going anywhere near that story. 
in this in this Whoa. movie uh somebody that was in the class that i didn't know until I, I met her after the film came out all this discussion was happening um there was a student in the class who's not featured um but who was working as a stripper at the time who heard about this class and only knew of sheila as like this movement leader and so she wanted to come take class and the minute she told everybody in the room, you know, because they ask on the first day, like, why do you want to take class? The minute she said, well, you know, I, I'm currently dancing right now, like every other weekend in Vegas or whatever it was that she said, they instantly iced her out and shut her down, told her the clothes that she brought were, you know, she you couldn't wear that here. Like they they invalidated her to such an extent that she ended up dropping out of the class. But like, what the fuck? Because they're literally in a pole dancing class. Like. I don't understand that. It's only okay if you're just doing it for funsies and you're not yeah, a sex yeah. worker. Well, part of the origin story that I didn't get to earlier about Sheila watching the woman in the strip club in LA that she then got to teach her was this is S Factor canon and it's it's really gross. I apologize. She said that like, you know, the lights went down and this woman was undulating on stage and the way that the soft light was illuminating the curves of her body was just mesmerizing and it was almost otherworldly how enticing it was even in a way that like wasn't sexually attractive it was just so beautiful and then the lights came up and it was this grubby display of this woman crawling around on stage to pick up her money and Sheila wanted to divorce it completely from that and I was like oh my fucking god but that's who created this movement so she's like, just pick and choosing the pretty aspects of things to package it for rich white women everyone else's experience and background and work is just a buffet for her to choose from oh and so i i don't think that that was explicit in fact i'm sure that that wasn't explicitly said to my friend that was in the class at the time but um i've i've it had to be coming out of everyone's pores you know I there's mean, another girl not be like in the back of at least a few people's mind. It just there's another girl her. in the class who ended up quitting because she wasn't learning any pole tricks. And I was like, oh, Amber, I was right across the hall. <laughs> it, it, there, this also feels like such a lack of communication, because if this studio has multiple different things, if there's people that just want to go to learn tricks for their job, why can't they go? And if there are people that you know what I mean, like it's just. It's so compartmentalized and it's just so gross. Like the, it's yeah. separate but equal. Oh, you're welcome, oh. Ew, but gross. Ew, yeah, well, like, we're, we're removing the stigma. But in order to do that, we have to really, really emphasize just how much stigma there is. Right. We're going to remove the stigma by just whitewashing over all of these stigmas. And if you ask about it or if somebody represents any of that, ew, ew gross, ew, gross. There's the exit. Go, go, go. Well, it was even more explicit than that. And this, this, didn't come specifically from Sheila. This came from the more senior teachers that trained me. But, you know, it used to come up. People would sometimes ask, you know, in like their intro class or in an early level class, like, hey, like do actual strippers come take class here? Because it seems like a reasonable question to ask, right? And the answer that I learned to give to that was, well, you know, actual strippers are much more about the external. And what we do here is really internal. And they're not comfortable with that. Holy fuck. And like, I just want to drink bleach to think that those words ever came out of my mouth. Oh, it's wow. yeah, that's that's and what I was parroted. This is what we want you to say. This, this is, is what we want you to say. Most concise, clean, white, friendly. Well, also, yeah, you're a cute little say. blonde actress who used to be a model who was raised by Republicans. So you have no connection or knowledge about any of the stuff that we're leaving out. So you're the perfect mouthpiece to march forward and spread dear leader's word. Oh, my 
yeah, because you, you've never experienced the injustices, so you don't see them naturally. (laughs) And so you, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Everything's great. What do you mean? Everything's fine. What are you talking about? And it's genuine. Your ignorance in the, in, in that moment is totally genuine because you're specifically picked because of that. Oh my God. So there was a one of the other podcasts that I went on with some of my former colleagues to specifically talk about the sex worker erasure is run by this fantastic woman who used to be a stripper named A.M. Davies. And her podcast is called Yes, a Stripper, because there was this huge movement on Instagram for a while when everyone was posting their little pole fitness videos of hashtag not a stripper. So I just want to shout out Anne, uh, Anne-Marie for doing God's work in reminding everybody why we all have jobs, teaching this to other people that don't have any familiarity with the background of it. Like it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for those people. Absolutely. And that's, inc- that's, that's, that's such an, and the fact that Sheila that. learned it playing a stripper, like it's not like she slid into it bass backwards somehow in a way that wasn't yeah, related. She intentionally <laughs> walked in being like, I want to be a method actress and like walked oh, yeah. in and was like, wait a second. I can I'm gonna share this. my wisdom with the world who can afford it. <laughs> Do you have $500? I've got all the secrets to tell you. No, oh yeah. my God. Like this. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, yes. What a gross. So culty. So, oh, so culty. So, so gross. Culty. Yeah. Man. Wow. And can we talk about the MLMs now? <laughs> Yes. That's like yes. so, so there were three primarily that were present that I was aware of. Um, one obviously LuLaRoe, hi dance studio leggings. <laughs> the other one that went around a lot for some reason, and this was just like gifts that people would give each other, but there was a lot of Stella and Dot jewelry. Oh my God! Yes, like the early yeah, like the like, bracelets and trinkets yes. and things, and they were I didn't I didn't I actually didn't know until much later that that even was an MLM because there were other little jewelry companies that people would sometimes, you know, give gifts out from or whatever that, that weren't. So it just kind of, you know, well, washed Stella over. Stella and Dot is like a real co-opty kind of MLM too. Cause they're like, you mm. have a studio. I would love to set up a table on a Saturday or something. Absolutely. Like that. Yeah. Absolutely. All def- definitely. Oh my God, you're, uh, they will love this jewelry. It's so cute. Yeah, absolutely. Cause even when I was selling LuLaRoe, I had a Stella and Dot lady that was like, the next time you have a party, I would love to come and set up jewelry and we can make outfits together. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Cause I had no idea about any of right. this. And yes, and oh my gosh, yes, it was so the Stella and Dot lady was very much like, is there a spot for me? Like always. <laughs> but the main one, the main one, and again, this was because the, the studio for all the charged students did not pay us very well. The main one was that right toward the end, I think this was like 2019, um, at least five teachers that I can remember started selling Rodan and Fields. And when I tell you that the studio was all in they put up flyers in the bathroom on the inside of the stall doors <laughs> talking about a captive audience like a like a like an underground club telling you the drink specials and the bands for the week yeah the bathroom stall and it was literally like you know you know let which one of these teachers that you want to you know order from their independent consult data and i you know I'm a woman in my 40s in Los Angeles, still trying to act whenever they let me. So, of course, I fucking bought some of the anti-aging one. I bought it from my friend. I was trying to be nice. I thought the product was okay, but it was definitely overpriced. And my husband, God love him, instantly sends me like this, this email with like 10 things that are like 
the, the, what's going on behind Rodan and Fields. And I was like, oh, I was just trying to be nice to my friend, man. And then like two weeks later, I tried to forward it to another one of my friends that was thinking of buying some and they'd all been taken down. Like that company was so litigious. They'd all been taken, like Reddit threads, gone, just gone. I made a second purchase where in addition to the anti-aging projects I had bought, I brought, I bought like one random toner that was supposed to fix something else. And I put it on my face one night and I woke up the next morning with hives covering my entire face two days before I was supposed to go to a wedding that my husband was in. Oh my God, no. So I had, I had an allergic reaction to the fragrance in it because these two dermatologists that like to flout what great dermatologists they are put fucking fragrance in their facial products. Yeah, because it probably smells like farts if they don't. Suck from that little rose boxes out on the loading dock. Yeah, they have the same distribution center. <laughs> but, you know, literally, I mean, I can totally see, I bet that some of those teachers, if not all of them, did fairly well because I don't think most people that end up selling an MLM have access to a studio of 400 odd students that aren't your friends or relatives who already look up to you. Right. I'm surprised there wasn't like a beach body or an Herbalife or something. I had a student that was from Herbalife, but she kept, she kept a, re- and I only knew because it was in her email. Um, like I, I was like, oh, da, 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 Herbalife. <laughs> yeah. And I think it might've been a little early for Beachbody, you know, but I, I'm sure that they would have, I'm sure that they would have tried. Absolutely. Yeah. But also again, like it was such an insular world and the thing is, it was never going to come in through the students because the students could, didn't fucking need a side hustle, right? This is an expensive right. class. They can afford it. It was only going to come in through us proles that went through trying <laughs> to teach class to be able to afford it. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the skincare makes sense. I've heard that before. With other actors or people that have appearance as yeah. part of their job as keeping their skin looking young or whatever. So yeah, that's, it's interesting that it's, it was playing in the studio as well. With oh the, my God. Yeah. Look younger. Well, I just, I want to say thank you so much for sharing not only your Colty pole studio story, but all of the MLMs that came and went through that. It's just, it's just these sort of situations I think are just rife for fraud and scams and people just being gross. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think LA in particular, you know, and anything that is under the vast umbrella of self-improvement, it's it's such a it that the culture here can make you so insecure about yourself, especially if you're in the entertainment business in any capacity, which most of us are, because why the fuck would you bother to live here if you weren't? But also like, you know, something I've come to realize is that like the concept of self-improvement takes as a given that you need to be improved. And that just opens the door to so much garbage. Yeah, that's actually a really great point. Yeah, Just like self-improvement is literally... Because something's not good enough. Yeah. Well, let's do some rapid fire questions. Let's do it. What is one word that encompasses how you feel about this entire culty experience? Ooh, one word. Complicated. What is a warning to somebody who might be in a situation like this? I know the studio has gone, but in some sort of culty situation and listening to your story, they're like, "Uh oh, my spidey senses are tingling. What is a piece of advice you would give them? Listen to that spidey sense and ask questions of anyone you think will give you an honest answer. 
you experienced a couple MLMs going through here, but based on what you've heard on the show and your experiences in your life, what is the worst MLM that you've come across? Amway, hands down. All the laws and also Betsy DeVos and her horrible brother are just demons in skin suits. Like, (laughs) they're the worst people on the planet. What is the hardest lesson you learned from this experience? That continuing to do something harmful because you think there's an element of good in it helps nobody. I like that answer. Uh, And finish off with a positive takeaway from this experience. The women I am still friends with, the the community that I made there, and the like-minded people that I found. I mean, I'm going to a birthday party on Saturday night that is going to be probably, I'm not hosting it, so I haven't seen the whole guest list, but I'd be shocked if 60% of the people there aren't people that I met at the studio that have stayed in touch, which again- in LA is worth it. (laughs) Already on top of that, like in LA, having a really good group is great. Uh, And that's wonderful. I love to hear that the good is still there and that you pulled it out and you're still experiencing it. Yeah, we're trying, man. We're trying. (laughs) Also, my husband and I have uh, some, some, some projects that we have written that we are using all of this experience to uh, feed into and create some really indelible characters. So, you know, trying to make some lemonade out of the lemons. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experience with us. Thank you for having me, Roberta. Honestly, I'm I'm such a fan of the show. I can't remember. I stumbled across you before I saw Lula Rich. I think it was while you were starting to promote it, but I'm just, I think you're just such a, a light and such a fun, funny presence. And also I just love the way you tell shit like it is. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to leave that in the show. That made me feel good. Thanks for the dopamine. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told. Hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. Mm-hmm.